So the theme for this morning is enlarging your soul through grief and loss. Nice, cheerful topic for you. Um, I, I do teach counselling um, to um, counselling students. And uh, one of the topics I teach is on bereavement and loss. And I'll sort of throw a bit of theory at you to start with. So um, when we go through a bereavement, which is when we lose someone that is dear to us, first we go through a stage of shock and denial. I can't quite believe that this has happened type feeling. And that lasts up to about a week. But that thaws out eventually. And then we go through a, a phase of yearning and searching, the stage where we can Im imagine seeing or hearing uh, the person we've lost and, and we imagine they might actually come through the door. And that can last up to six months, the te textbook tells us. Then we go through a phase of disorganization and despair. That's a very painful stage. It, it's now starting to hit home that this person is not coming back. This stage can last a long time. And then eventually comes the stage of reorganization, which means that we get on with our lives, we reorganize our lives without the person we've lost. And we, we sort of come the right way up again, in a way. These stages all come and go, it's not very orderly line, uh, the process can take several years. And uh, we go through a whole range of emotions from sadness, fear, anger, isolation, abandonment, we feel guilty, there can even be a sense of relief. And sometimes all of them at the same time, it seems. Each new loss can put us in touch with previous losses, and it also puts us in touch with our own mortality. People who are bereaved can want to talk about the bereavement over and over again, telling you the story of exactly what happened. They might not want to talk about it. They may need to be with people one minute, and the next minute they just can't stand being around anyone. It's an individual journey. There's no right and wrong. The loss does never, never disappears. But in time, it's like a hole. And we start building a life around it again. Um, until recently, it was a popular belief that children needed to be shielded from the grieving process. As they were thought not to be aware of what was going on and um, that they wouldn't be able to handle it. We now know better. Um, in the last 20 years, I would say, a lot of services have sprung up to, to sort of help children with bereavement. Um, children have a very fine-tuned radar. As parents, we often think they don't know what's going on. Quite often, they know exactly what's going on. And um, if the parents grieve in isolation, to protect the children with the best possible motives, children will in fact then have to deal with their loss on their own. It's better to speak openly about the grief and loss in the family. 
and even at times cry in front of them because it helps them to know that they can have permission to grieve too. And it helps them to know that what they're feeling inside, they see that sort of mirrored in what you're feeling and it sort of validates what they're feeling as well. Um, if if um, you or your relatives are struggling, please get help. Um, if, if you feel it's too big for you, go. you could go to your GP, look at counselling services in the area. Children, uh, schools are now very good at, at uh, a lot of schools have counselling services, can help uh, primary age children or, or junior or, or secondary age children to, with their loss. Um, and if you have a need and you don't know where to go, you can contact me and I'll try and put you in the right direction. West Kent Cruise is a bereavement service, a local bereavement service, very sadly through reorganization that's had to shut down for the moment. So um, hopefully they will reopen soon. Um, but for the moment, there is no cruise in the local area. That's the sort of the, the more theoretical side over. Thinking about it more from a spiritual angle, loss, all of us, if we're blessed with a good lifespan, will experience substantial losses. It's not if, but when. We are social creatures. We were made for relationship. And the pain of loss is the price we pay for loving and having loved. I've had many blessings in my life, but I have lost some of the losses I was thinking about, no, just sort of writing them all down. I've lost both parents, a sister-in-law, uncles, aunts, cousins, neighbors, a friend, relatives through dementia, children leaving home and living independently, a dog, more than one dog, redundancy, and also loss of health and loss of youth. <laughs> I'm glad that's amusing. <laughs> it's painful losing, losing your youth. When you lose a person you love, it is like nothing you've ever experienced before. It strips you. It reduces you. It can leave you gasping for breath. When I lost my mother in 2000, um, I read a little book by C.S. Lewis called A Grief Observed. And I went back to it in preparing for this talk. I read it again. And um, I can remember reading something in that book that... I was sort of feeling, yeah, that is exactly how I feel. And I'll read it out to you. So C.S. Lewis wrote this book after his wife had died from cancer. No one ever told me that grief felt so like fear. I am not afraid, but the sensation is like being afraid. The same fluttering in the stomach, the same restlessness, the yawning, I keep on swallowing. At other times, I feel like being mildly drunk or concussed. There is a sort of invisible blanket between the world and me. I find it hard to take in what anyone says 
or perhaps hard to want to take it in. It is so uninteresting. Yet I want the others to be around me, but I dread the moments when the house is empty, if only they would talk to one another and not to me. There are moments, most unexpectedly, when something inside me tries to assure me that it do I don't really mind so much, not so very much, after all. Love is not the whole of a man's life. I was ha happy before I met H. I've plenty of what are called resources. People get over... Wait a minute. Yeah. People get over these things. Come, it won't be so bad. Then comes a sudden jab of red-hot memory, and all this common sense vanishing, vanishes like an ant in the mouth of a furnace. On the rebound, one passes into tears and pathos, maudlin tears. I also almost prefer the moments of agony. At least they're clean and honest. But it's the self-pity, the wallow, the loathsome, sticky, sweet pleasure of in indulging it that disgusts me. And even while I'm doing it, I know it leads me to represent H herself. Given that mood, its head, and in a f give that mood its head, and in a few minutes I shall have substituted the real woman, a mere doll to be blubbered over. Thank God the memory of her is still too strong. Will it always be too strong to let me get away with it? I've now lost my track, so, oh yeah. And this brings me back to the psalm that we were reading out. In verse 3, the psalmist says, My tears have been my food day and night. And the psalmist, who is, in, um, is very aware of the fact that his soul is downcast within him, questions his faith, where is my God now? And God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Um, I'm coming back to C.S. Lewis now. He's asking himself that question. Where is God? Meanwhile, where is God? This is one of the most disquieting symptoms. When you are happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing him, so happy that you're tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption, if you turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to him when you need it desperate, when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain, and what do you find? The door slammed in your face, and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside, and after that, silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. There are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seemed so once. And that seeming was as strong as this. What can this mean? Why is he, God, so present in our time of prosperity and so very absent a help in time of trouble? Not that I am, I think, in much danger of ceasing to believe in God. 
The real danger is of coming to believe such dreadful things about God, um, about him. The conclusion I dread is not, so there is no God after all, but so this is what God really is like. Deceive yourself no longer. And um, he goes on to ask himself, is God a cosmic sadist? I know those are shocking words, but there comes a time. There comes a time in your life when, and I don't know if you could relate to this, when you become a Christian, um, you can come to live a sort of surface Christianity as something that goes along the lines of, I gave myself to God on the 20th of January, 19 something or 20,000 or something or other. I've repented of my sins. I know I'm saved and I know where I'm going to spend eternity. And that kind of becomes sort of like, you think you're sorted, you're in the kingdom. It's, it, you, 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 that's sort of, you're sorted now. And then life comes along and smashes right through that. I spent many years hoping and praying that my mum and me would become closer. We had a very complicated relationship. I tried to look after her when she was suffering through many years of depression, I think since about the age of 10. And I grew up and I became aware of the fact that I, I needed... I needed to start living my own life. And that was a very, a very complex dilemma inside of me. Um, and I had to pull back from her at some point and sort my own life out. And she took that like a very painful rejection. And I went into therapy to help me work out who I was. And so I recommend that. Um, then I felt I, I, I sort of healed and I, I started longing for a, a conversation between my mother and me where we could talk things through, where I could ask for her forgiveness and, and hopefully we would sort of be able to resolve something. But in the meantime, my mum had um, started suffering from dementia and I tried to have this conversation with her and it went so wrong because I brought back to her attention things that she had forgotten about us. And then she was hurt all over again. And um, it was never resolved. I never had that conversation with my mum because then she sort of slipped further and further into dementia and died. What about all my prayers over all those years? It felt like they had fallen on God's deaf ears. And it led to a crisis of faith which lasted over a year after she died, and I just couldn't pray. But, and that this sort of, you think all sorts of things in, in that time. I thought, I've given my life to God. What else? Where else can I go? And we were just singing um, a song, and I just sort of, one sentence resonated with me. Jesus you have won my heart. 
when that's happened, you, you can't turn back the clock on that. It, you've got to move forward. There is no way back. So, this complicated question, how can our soul be enlarged through grief and loss? Wouldn't it have the opposite effect? Wouldn't it shrink our heart? When our simple faith is smashed, it is time to be honest with God and own up to our darker, darker feelings. And this is exactly the point that C.S. reaches at this point. He reaches deep when he dares to say to God, are you there at all? Or are you a sadist who just took the person closest to me away? It's not rebellious or sinful. It's being honest with a God who wants us to live in a real relationship with him. So if God is good, then he must have a purpose for allowing us to go through painful loss. Often I've heard Christians say, of course God does not want us to suffer. The suggestion that prayer for healing will take away all our hurts is a lovely notion, but I have witnessed so many occasions when prayers don't get answered. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I don't believe in healing prayer, and God has healed many things in my life, but there are just simply lots of times when we pray and nothing happens. I don't believe that God wants us to suffer for the sake of it. But I do believe more and more that God wants to do a work in us during our time on earth. And that his priority is to fit us for heaven. So we become to become more like his son, Jesus. And I think I have to conclude that this process is more important to him that I am transformed um, is more important than my comfort or my happiness. Hebrews 5 talks about the fact that as Christians, there comes a time when we need to stop being fed on milk and become mature, taking solid food. And I think that's what, what this is all about. I'd like to go back to verse 7 of the psalm uh, that uh, Jess just read out. Deep calls to deep. I can remember a time when I was feeling very low and felt very abandoned by God. I'd been made redundant. And I found these words in the Bible probably at about 2 a.m. in the morning. And it made so much sense to me. I was in a deep, dark place. But no place is too deep or too dark for God. He is not afraid of the darkest places. He wants to meet us on our road to Emmaus and listen to our heartfelt agony. The psalmist goes through the process of grieving. He tells God how he feels. He asks God heartfelt, honest questions. God doesn't mind. In fact, I believe he welcomes it. The psalmists often seem to alternate between expressing their desolate state, questioning God, and then 
um, remembering his goodness. And it seems to sort of go in, that they seem to sort of go through those three phases in, 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 um, over and over again. And I can, can recognize that pattern for myself as well. Because the psalmist is so honest with God, instead, instead of thinking, I shouldn't be feeling like this, I shouldn't be questioning God, he's able to work through all his grief and doubts with God. This helps him not to be consumed with disappointment, bitterness and envy. He's able to remain in relationship with God. The heart of Christianity is that the way to life is through death. The pathway to resurrection is through crucifixion. And I was thinking, again, what does this mean for me? I think that through the experience of losses in our lives, our more naive self, and I think, I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but growing up, I just imagined somewhere in a naive part of me that my parents were always going to be there. And then you realize that that's not the case. Um, so the more naive part has to sort of shatter. And through the power of the resurrection in our lives, the Holy Spirit, he doesn't leave us there. He, he deepens us. He stretches us. So we can become more whole. So that something grows in its place of this shattering. But it's a sort of more solid, honest, realistic part of you. And it's painful process, this weaving of this more realistic self. But if we stay in relationship with God, then it does happen. He promises, God promises that we won't, he won't put us through more than we can handle. But I have heard many people say, and I've felt that myself, you know, really? It doesn't feel like it. But I think it is what, um, I believe that this is because we think we know what we can handle. And God knows what we can handle. So there have been times where I have gone through experiences where I think, God, I can't handle this. Um, and I've almost been surprised by the fact that I have survived it. I love that, that um, jumping to Job now, that Job and his friends ask so many questions of God. And in the end, the answer that comes is, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? I love that because it sort of like feels enough. <laughs> it's weird because it shouldn't be. You should say, that's not what I asked you, but somehow I feel comforted by it. I feel, yeah, it's okay. Um, I can trust God with our understanding. That's basically what he says. I'm so much bigger than you. Just trust me. I know what I'm doing. And that's where the, the psalmist comes to when he says, Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. And so after the difficulties of, of losing and, and the pain and, and everything else, I can return to God. I can say I don't understand any of it, but 
here I am. This talk may have touched some painful sort of memories for you or, or other, you know, you, you may um, um, feel a bit undone. If you do uh, and you would like prayer, then uh, there will be, uh, I believe, prayer uh, available during communion on the left-hand side of the church and there will be people there to pray with you. Thank you.